Welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and coming back to the cave this week, I'm very, very happy to be able to hang out with my friend from across the pond, the web host of Marvel Comics Guide and one of my favorite pages on Instagram, Mr. Dave Molyneux. Dave, welcome back. How are you, my friend? Not bad, thanks, man. Not bad. Thanks for having me back. Oh, it's always a blast. We we can get started, and anything that I think that we're going to talk about, we don't even get to. So that's how you know the conversations are fun. Um, how are things on the home front for you? How are the the wife, the child, the the daughter? Just one daughter, right? Uh, two, yeah. Oh, you two. got two. Uh huh. Yeah, one in school, one in nursery, and um, they're they're back in. They've been back in a little while. We're about to hit half term, and frankly, I think we all need a break. Cause my wife's a nurse. Oh boy. Um, so yeah, she's yeah, it's been an interesting year for her. So. Yeah, nice little break. That's good. When when is the uh, the springtime break for you guys? Because ours was pushed back into April. Naturally, it seems like yours is as well. Yeah, it's, it's going to be from Friday. This one jumps around. So like Easter's weird. Easter doesn't know when it wants to be every year, and everyone's when's when's Easter this year? Does anyone know? Yeah, <laughs> who keeps track of this? Um, so yeah, it's Friday. So it's kind of snuck up on all of us to a degree. So chocolate eggs are on the way very soon. And I love chocolate eggs, like ridiculously <laughs> love chocolate eggs. It's, they please me so much. <laughs> um, yeah, my dad ate my chocolate egg one year. He found it. I was saving it up and my dad ate it and I've never let that go, man. I've never forgiven that, man. <laughs> Do you like the, is it the Cadbury eggs that you like with the, the cream? Yeah, Cadbury's. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's one of those guilty pleasures. Every, every year I need to have one of them. I'm getting to the point where it's a little too sweet for me, but I'm I have a sweet tooth anyways. Like if you put a a, a bowl of fuzzy peach and any other gummy, I'm just gonna keep eating until I get sick. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get wine gums? I love wine gums. Big big fan yeah. of and and I don't know if it's at this point in life, is it the sugar? I'm sure I'm a sugar addict, but <laughs> I think I like the texture. Uh-huh. of the gummy because even when i have like a, a bubble tea i don't know if you guys have bubble tea but like that tapioca okay. it's like um it's so i'm not sure exactly which country it comes from but it's like an asian drink like a slushy right and they you can get it with all these different types of flavors fruit flavors watermelon mango all these different types of things they put in it but you can have the option to put this it's tapioca like it's like a feels like a gummy at the bottom like these little uh, balls that are chewy yeah. as you drink it and it's the weirdest thing to have happen while you're drinking for a f- some type of a food thing to be shooting in your mouth at the same time <laughs> but when you start chewing it with the sweetness of the drink there's this satisfaction to it so i'm wondering if i just like the gummy texture as much as the sugar i'm sure it's the sugar probably a little of both yeah i just so. I th- some of it is just it's nostalgia for me and like I've started to like it more and more because it just makes me it's so rare that you get something like that at the moment because the kids just have it yeah like, I can have it and there'll be something they don't like and then they'll suddenly go yeah that's mine now ah, it's, gone. it's gone don't touch my frosties don't touch my wine gums right yeah 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 <laughs> do you have a a guilty pleasure snack like what's your comfort food when you're either watching a movie and it's the go-to uh-huh. snack or maybe while you're reading one of your your omnis or your graphic novels, is you have like a little thing you you enjoy drinking or eating along with it? Yeah, um, normally watching something, I tend not to eat and touch books because yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but normally films are, I love a kebab, I love a kebab. Like, it's supposed to be a thing that you do when you drink here. Everyone goes out on the piss and then you go for a kebab. Um, but I love them sober. I used to eat three a week when I was a teenager. I should be huge. Like, but I, I literally couldn't put on weight when I was a teenager. I was 10 stone for years. <laughs> so just, uh, define what a kebab is for you guys. Is it just meat on a stick? No, it's um, so it's 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 the elephant leg with the so it's all sliced off and it's put in a most people put it in a pitta, yeah, um, yes, yeah. and then with the thingy. But I like it on chips, so it's just uh, uh, which is um, which is uh, potato. Well, what would you call them? French fries. Fries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chips. So we have them on sense. chips. Yeah. So so we have. Uh, I guess it's like it, over here we might call them like a shawarma, where they they scrape it. Off the, the 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 pit that's being spun, right? Uh-huh. That slow cooked chicken or whatever it is you choose, and then you put it in a pita, and it's like a a Mediterranean sort of sandwich yeah, that we have. I think it's Greek, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They mentioned it in, in Avengers. They did that shawarma thing, and I was going, "What the hell is shawarma?" I look it up again. That's my favorite thing already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they went for a kebab. Okay. That's what I would do if I was in the Avengers <laughs> afterwards. Just. <laughs> That's hilarious. So yeah, uh, so for me a shawarma, for you a kebab, which is uh, a, a a meal that I often enjoy having at the end of the week. We have a really good place close by to where we live that they have a restaurant and then like a little supermarket attached to it, and they just make great uh, takeout food for for things oh. like that. Yeah, it, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, good good pick. I like it. Uh, do you have a drink of choice? How about a drink? What's your go to? Uh. I'm, I'm actually really addicted to coffee. I, I used to kind of get through a fair amount of alcohol in my time, and I'm just so off it now. Um, I just like a decent cup of coffee. I don't really have, like, I don't know coffees. and like It's like I like whiskey occasionally, but I don't know whiskeys. I just go, this is whiskey, and I like it. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's it. Like, it doesn't, if it doesn't taste rank, it's all good. <laughs> That's a hey, my my wife has a phrase where there's been food in the fridge in a Tupperware sealed, and I I'm the one like after a day I'm like mm mm I, I I can't. She's like listen if it hasn't gone bad it's gone better. I'm like whatever floats your boat. <laughs> I'm kind of with her on that. I I have been guilty of realizing someone's literally just thrown a bit of pizza in the bin and I've nabbed it. Wow, yeah, that's you're disgusting. Great. Hey, you know what? Um, if it hasn't killed you. It's only made you stronger, right? I don't know if it's made me stronger, but it definitely hasn't killed me. <laughs> it hasn't killed you. Yeah, it's given you some sort that of much. antibodies. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that have been, uh, since we last spoke, which I think is last month, there's a lot of um, things that have wrapped up, like WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier started, as well as mm-hmm. uh, Invincible. Do, are you keeping up with uh, Invincible? Did you see the, the animated season on Prime? Mm-hmm. We intended, we intended watching it. I didn't realise it was going to be three episodes to launch, which is great. Um, but it's, what, what's that in maths? Uh, <laughs> fingers. Uh, three, three and a quarter hours, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, I just don't have that kind of time. So, like, the One Division episodes were too short. I just, I found them too short. They should have been, like, 45 minutes. That's a good time. Um but it's just 25 minutes is weird now because it's kind of a kid's cartoon length, you know, because kids have no attention span. I know they're probably dragging it out a little bit. Um, not like Disney to try and make money out of stuff, is it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
So, but yeah, it just felt very short. So you kind of watch it and then it goes, oh, credits. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, I was watching that. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, what am I going to do now? I haven't yeah. finished my kebab. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. One division did have that feeling sometimes where it's like, oh, we're done. Oh, okay. Um, the the, the episode, yeah, the episodes were getting longer as the season went on. But you're right; it did have that. It was a strange time. The um, Invincible they come in at forty four, forty five minutes each. So you, right. you you feel like you get a nice chunk of story as you're watching it. And um, I don't know. I often ask myself now. Maybe you have a have a take on it when it comes to adapting a, a serialized story like a comic book adaptation where there's so many things that you can pull from. I'm starting to feel that outside of a big event, like an Avengers movie, everything is better when it's on a season of a TV show. Excuse me. What do you think? Do you think it's better? episode? Um, like if they were to do, if they were to do a, an X-Men a television show, yeah. Uh, or an oh, X-Men yes. movie. I would prefer it to be in, in episodes. Give me three seasons of uh, the way they kind of did with Daredevil because you really get into the meat of this character and take time telling the story where it's like it, it's like when we're reading something like Preacher, right? We were just talking mm-hmm. about that before we rolled. Um, the best parts of a lot of these stories are when they're sitting at a bar and they're talking to each other. Yeah. And you really see the strength of the writing. The plot is the plot. There's an overall plot, which we know what we're, we're dealing with. But when you have those moments in, you know, a daredevil where he's talking to the, 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 the priest in the church or he's, he's with Foggy and they're sitting together across from desk and it's just, you know, talking heads, if you will. Those are some of those moments that you have to have because that's what makes the fight scene later on cool. Yeah, well, that's that's the bit that defines the character, isn't it? I mean, we don't. I know that we sell these things based on this Daredevil, uh, this the guy in a costume. I remember someone saying to me when I was when I was a teenager, kind of like, "So what's who's Daredevil?" I go like, "Ah, so he's a lawyer, um, right?" But what are his powers? Kind of like, well, he can tell when someone's lying, I guess, when he's a lawyer. Um, he can hear people's heartbeats and stuff. Um, I, it didn't occur to me to talk about him in costume because to me, Matt Murdock is that's the guy right it's almost like daredevil is the hobby it's, this is about matt murdoch it's not about the guy in the red costume to a degree that's not 100 percent who he is it's wider than that and you look at born again right he's barely in a costume for born again you know and that's the, what, the beauty of something like the first series of the netflix series you didn't even see him in costume for how that would be that would be the second film or third film you know, by the, if they did it in a series of films. Um, because what was it, 10 episodes? Yeah, eight, 10 episodes? Eight, eight to 10, something like that, yeah. And they were about an hour. Yeah. So you're looking at what the equivalent would be the third, maybe even fourth film. He, you wouldn't see him in costume. Yeah. And, and especially as Hollywood kind of goes, so it's about the costumes, right? And, and like to me, it isn't. I know for a lot of people, it's about the fight. But it's not for me. It's about the characters, and and you don't really get into the characters until you hear them speak and you see the decisions they make and you find out about their lives. That's what defines who they are. But you don't necessarily get to have time to do that in a blockbuster film. That's why I don't think um, something like what was the second Spider-Man film, Far From Home, it didn't define 
Peter Parker for me at all. It was so far removed from who he is because it's like a, like a caper film abroad. It's so not Spider-Man. There was none of the personal touch, the, you know, the, the real character building, the how he, it doesn't really show how he really cares about people in his private life and he doesn't get time to establish that because we need the big explosion scenes. So we've got to cram this in to two hours or whatever. You make that a series, you've got time to breathe. Yeah. And that's what I, I do. I totally agree. I think it works. I'm really keen to see how they do it with Invincible. Because um, I can't imagine how that would work as a, as a, as a film. They, they nearly did Preacher as a film yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine how that would have worked. I, I can't see it. It would have been a series of films, but even then you can't get that into what would you need about nine films? Yeah. It's a lot to of story. Do it right. Yeah, there's a lot of story. To be, and I think the the advent of uh, the streaming services that all kind of followed the HBO model in a way of making television that you could do and say whatever you feel like without worrying about the restriction has really changed the game as far as how people enjoy Like when a Netflix movie comes on, I'm never excited to watch it. it it's not like, oh, I got to see that. On ne- an hour and 40 minute Netflix movie, I always just feel is going to be, eh. but t- television... TV shows, a series on Netflix is is usually a, a, a good bet. It's like there there's something there. They're gonna tell a they're gonna have some slow moments where it's like Tarantino films, right? As I'm reading Preacher, I'm bringing back to that again. But as I'm reading Preacher, it's like those great moments in a Tarantino movie where they're sitting in a car and just talking about what their favorite hamburger is. Yeah, yeah, and I, and that's I think, exactly yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what podcasts are. There, yeah. everybody's having are creating the Tarantino moments from the movie that you love, where they talk about their, you know, a, a, a story completely personal to those characters, and that's it. Yeah, that's the thing. So, like with the way that was shot as well, the way they, as far, as far as I remember, anyway, it's been a long time since I've seen Pulp Fiction. Yeah, but I think a lot of it was shot as if you're almost in the back seat of the car for some of it. So you're part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're part of the conversation. Yeah, I think. Yeah, podcasts are very much that you're sitting in on a conversation you're just not able to chip in yeah. <laughs> or at least in a way you can be heard and that's why everybody starts their own podcast like I'm going to do that I'm going to say what I want <laughs> nobody might they're be wrong. listening but <laughs> they're wrong I'm doing my own yeah that's right <laughs> how long ago was it that you read Preacher because I'm just reading it now for the first time I actually think it's it was bordering on 20 years ago. I just I just realized it's probably bordering on 20 years ago. Wow. So when it was happening, when it was coming out? It was when it was being released as trades. But I read okay. it about, every time they released a new book, I read the first one, the first one or the first two or the first three again. Okay. And then I read it again since. I loved it so much. I just kept reading it again and again and again. Um, and I reread what was volume seven at that time, which you won't have got to yet, I don't think. Because it was nine books originally. It was, um, it's a great story. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, but it was called Salvation. I don't know if, if it'll be obvious that that's... And yeah, I think it will be. I'll have the title pages. Um, and it works as a standalone story as well. And I, I think I read that more than even the first volume by the end of it. I just I, I just loved it. Um, again, it was that nice chunks of story and awesome character work and... You know, you can really get into who these people are and really relate to them, and then realize the person you relate to most is just an asshole. 
It's great. Um, <laughs> you know, like, is that me? <laughs> I was just thinking that before we started this conversation where I'm like, you know, there's that, there's that old adage from, um, high fidelity, right? Where yeah. it's not what you're like, it's what you like. And, and I love that line. But then I asked myself, but some of the stuff I like is really effed up. <laughs> what does that say about me? And it, and it doesn't. I think that's what people are oftentimes like, I'm not, I can't read that. Like, uh, it's, it's too, too much of this thing. And I, and I'm not for that. And a lot of times, like you said, it's, it's the, it's not so much you enjoying the violence. It's not you enjoying the, maybe you do, but, but some people, it's not just enjoying the immorality of it all. There's a story here. These are people who have, you're living something with them on a journey and you start to realize there's probably a lot more people at the pub where you sit beside where they've got a pretty interesting story beyond what you can imagine. And all we might think of them is what they post or you come to find out that, you know, so-and-so couple is getting a divorce because they, this and this happened and there's so much story behind it. And you see it in something like Preacher. Like it, yeah. it, 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 as, as fantastic and ridiculous as it all is, it's those sitting at the pub moments of the book. Well, they say that as well about the, the shocking stuff. And, this, you know, the, is that, what does that say about me? I, I was, I don't read a huge amount of manga, but I was, I really, really got into, um, uh, Gantz, which okay. is G-A-N-T-Z. I've um, seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love it, but it's the most screwed up thing. But there's a part of me that's reading it going, at least I find, at least I think this is screwed up, I guess. Right. <laughs> if I was going, okay, yeah, that's fine. No, this is totally okay to do. You know, I would then be questioning my interests. I think that's, I think that's the proper gauge, right? Is that yeah. when, when you read some of these, you know, adult comic books that are very esoteric in, in the content and you sometimes find like, what, what? What what kind of alley did I go down? Where where am I hanging out with these people? What the hell is this? And I think that's the reaction you're supposed to have because if you're like, yeah. oh, that, I remember going to a party like that, then we got <laughs> then we got a problem. <laughs> I think that was a, there was a program on years ago called Two Pints of Lager and a Packet of Crisps. It was a comedy series on BBC Two or whatever, um, and it was awful. And it was and that and things like men behaving badly. You're watching these programs and you're going, it's all about people doing the bit on the edge and doing like getting pissed and doing dangerous things or doing stupid things. And you're watching it going like, well, I've done worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> and then and you kind of this this program is terrible because this, this isn't shocking enough. I've done worse. <laughs> and then you have to kind of start then to question, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> You shouldn't be able to do that. Whereas now I think, yeah, I mean, maybe it's because I've just stepped it up to an extreme where there's whatever the crazy stuff is in, in these manga titles. So you go, yeah, I can't possibly have done that in my life. It's too extreme. Yeah. <laughs> At least I can be shocked by that. Yeah. We got to not so bad. <laughs> That that's that's the that's the gauge, right? It's like, look, I'm not bad at all. Look at what these people do. <laughs> They're far worse. Yeah, yeah. There's this weird thing in, in this country with um, EastEnders, and I don't know if you've ever seen it or heard of it. But a lot of people watch that. And I find this really weird. A lot of people watch that because it is people just living really dismal lives and arguing all the time and fighting with each other. Um, 
and people like to look at them and go, well, at least that's not me. I find that really weird. I find that a really strange thing to do. And I like looking at some of these things or, or you know, you pick out something like preaching, you kind of think, well, at least that isn't me. That's pretty screwed up. But it's kind of fascinating. It's not like, I don't know. I think the thing with, with the, the way a lot of people escape reality to stuff like EastEnders is it's almost real. It could be people that live a few streets away from you or in another town. I'm going to look down on those people. I can look down on someone in preacher because they've they drink someone's blood. That's right. acceptable. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that exactly. And I think what you refer to, I think it's a uh, it's a very human thing that we always notice in people doing, and it's sad to see it. And I think mm. we're all guilty of it in some way because yeah, because well, people uh, because people um, pick. You can't be balanced. Balance now is the – it's almost like a gross thing to be. Like you, you're on the fence on something. It's like, ugh, you're on the fence. Like you stand for nothing. Is become. But really, balance is so much harder to keep when you think about it. Right? Balance is a difficult thing to do. So when you can be balanced in a viewpoint where you're not siding with something and riding or dying with it, I think there's more value in that. And everybody within their tribe, right, they end up looking down on the other side. It's like, well, at yeah. least we're not like Republicans or at least we're not like conservatives or whatever your party is. Like, well, uh, or, or even people who are religious, right? They use yeah. those that aren't of their religion uh, to show like, aren't we happy that we're this? <laughs> yeah, this it's is crazy. It's the it's, same it's, thing as EastEnders, really. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is right. We don't realize we do that sort of thing. Yeah, everyone does that. It's, it's like with the the idea of Superman as well. I think one of the things that appeals to me more and more about Superman. I may well have mentioned this previously, but it's it isn't an extreme with him. He is someone who's trying to be understanding to people, not make a harsh judgment. Try and do what appears to be right. You know, it's like when people go, "But if I had, that's boring." That's boring. If I had that extreme power, I would just kill loads of people that I thought deserved it. All right, whatever you do, and it always seems to be one extreme or the other. But actually, treading that line is tough, and I find that much more interesting now. Whereas as a kid, I kind of thought, "God, that's boring." He's yeah. just nice, right? It's like it's like um, Captain America. I, I feel that a Captain America, a Thor, and and Superman are three characters that are easily as interesting and as boring and as possible there's so many possibilities to write and there's and everyone's like they're so hard to write because one they're, they're, these guys are too strong in the sense of like a superman like what can't he do he can do anything it's kind of boring like what scares him and then with something like a captain america similar to superman they're that boy scout they're that american way or it's like ugh, who wants to write about that and what i like about those characters is that what they represent when people say the American way, which is nowadays becoming more of a lift your eyebrow to, they 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 are more about the idea, yes, that the dream of what you say it's supposed to be, not what we are, what we yeah. claim to have been, and I want to I want to try to live by that idea, which is admirable. Yeah. It's, it's, it is about the ideal. It's, it's, and that's one of the things um, 
I tried to explain to people before the Captain America films came out, he's not just go America. That's not the character. Um, it's about the ideal of how things could be and should be. Why, why, like, I don't understand why people would say that someone like Superman is boring. And if most people were like Superman, I think we'd be a lot happier. And which is something along the lines actually Mark Miller said in an interview. And I kind of thought, oh, that's an interesting take. Um, but I think it's true. It feels like it's more true now because this, it feels like there's a lot less tolerance. Um, and also as well, like when people do look at a character like Superman, they say he's boring because he could beat anybody in a fight, for example. It's like, but that's not, again, like this is where for me the fight isn't the interesting part. It's the choices. It's the decisions a character makes. That's what defines them. So if he can hear all the stuff going on around him, he has to then choose who he saves. And he's got to live with this. He's got to live with knowing that he hasn't been able to save everybody. That's... I agree. It's awful. It's, it's awful, really. But that's, that's what I find fascinating, the most fascinating about Superman. Yeah. I... I uh agree with you 100% on that because it's not so much what he can do which, which as a kid I loved like he could do anything but as you read the character you realize what and even in the movies right like what shouldn't you do just because uh, you can do it yeah and that's the very very cool thing that they did with Injustice I don't know if you've gotten to reading that yet I still haven't yet yeah and and I don't have you watched the uh, the Justice League movie? No, I've seen neither version, but I, I wasn't interested in watching the Whedon version. I've started to take an interest in watching the new one, but it's four hours, and again, like time is just so tight. I don't have time to sit and watch something for four hours at the minute. Um, but I do want to. The good thing about the way they did the movie, not saying that it's good or bad, it's more the fact that it could be watched in chunks it's actually set up where it's in parts okay so you can easily watch it in a part and pause it and say okay that's part one good and then you know part two took me 45 minutes i'll do the next two parts another day right which is because it is so long it's almost like a season of a television show in a way which got me thinking even further about what's the best way to tell some of these stories. Did you did you see any of the DC movies at all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw Man of Steel. It was just kind of boring. Um, the, oh, what else was in there? The Batman vs. Superman, no. I didn't like it. Um, the Suicide Squad one was really disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, I haven't. I watched. I watched a video as well about the Suicide Squad one, and it really dipped into the issues with the film, um, and about because it because it was basically written by committee, um, and it delves into the whole issue with it not having these threads and not following through on all these threads. It was just it's a mess of a film, you know. The the reveals that they should be building up to don't happen, and it's just lazy and it's it's so broadcasted you know what's going to happen you know this bit part character is probably going to be the one that dies okay you haven't set the stakes there <laughs> you blow someone's head off at the start oh you are going to kill people I mean, oh i don't i still don't care somehow 
Um, why, if these people are meant to be powerful enough to take down Superman, you've got a, a woman with a hammer. You've got a dude that throws boomerangs. Superman would just, if he was the threat you think he is, he'd wipe you out. How is this? How is this good? How is this smart? It just didn't make sense to me in a number of ways. Um, I've never been able to watch it again, ever. Like I just can't. It would just be self harm. Frankly, I think. <laughs> um, I watched Shazam. It still bugs me that it's called Shazam. To me, even even as someone that grew up with Marvel, he's Captain Marvel. Yeah, I think I think at this point it's it's more a matter of licensing that they just are not allowed. Yeah, that's I just a, find that's it frustrating. It's, yeah. it's a shame they kind of even couldn't do it like they did with the comics, where they could have called it Power of Shazam, but he's still Captain Marvel in the thing, but. Yeah, I understand that they can't do it. How weird was um, it going to the theater and seeing Captain Marvel at the same time as Shazam being shown in the cinema? Were they at the same time? Yeah, it was so interesting. Which obviously, which did better? God, of course, Marvel one would have done. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was a terrible film as well. Actually, the Captain Marvel. <laughs> Just, what was that? <laughs> what What was it about that you didn't like? wasn't my the favorite film. either. The, film, the whole film. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was... Oh, I didn't like... I know it's very popular to say, for people to say they don't like Brie Larson, but she just had no charisma. And I don't know if... I couldn't tell how much of that was script or direction. Yeah. She just didn't win me over in the slightest. And again, the threat doesn't feel that threatening and, and she's suddenly super powerful where she wasn't before it just it's just a series of things happening there, there was nothing there to make you go I'm in this I want to see what happens I yeah care. I think I think I'm I'm starting to come to a conclusion and I, and I don't know how you felt about it but one of the only uh, prequels of something that I enjoyed was um, outside of the Marvel Universe was Rogue One, I thought Rogue One was a a cool story to explain where New Hope starts. Because New Hope starts, it feels like, in the middle of a story. Yeah. So now with Rogue One, you've got that first part of the story that makes you say, oh, that that was a nice little blend that we can watch Uh all of these together. But prequels, I don't think, usually work because, well, we know where this is going. Like, I know what happens. Yeah. I know. I I like the idea. Yeah. that, I did. I, I did. I, sorry. Sorry. Go, go on. No, go on. Go ahead. I've already lost my thought. <laughs> no, sorry. No, no. Don't worry. It wasn't important. <laughs> I, it's always important. I, I like the. I like the idea of prequels. I like the idea of uh, of um, a story running alongside. Have you seen Rosencrantz and Guildenstone? No. It's it's a story. It's a film with Tim Roth and oh god, I can't remember who it is. Um, and it's two characters from Hamlet, and it takes place alongside Hamlet but it's, t- it's told from their perspective. Um, and I'm not, like, massively... I've been in, been in college. I was in Macbeth and whatever. I got stabbed in the leg. <laughs> um, for real, got stabbed in the leg. There was blood and everything. Um, yeah, that, that went wrong. That's, that's method, man. That's taking it seriously. <laughs> how, how, did they, how did they make the mistake to not stab you in the leg? Um, well, actually, I went for an audition, and I, I just... I had imposter syndrome really badly that day and I just kind of went, nope, I'm not even going to audition. So I just left and they gave me two parts. So I don't know how that worked. Um, so <laughs> one of the parts I got was called Young Seawood and he has he comes face to face with Macbeth and it's like, what is thy name? Uh, I could do all the lines even now. God, that's weird. Um, 
and then he charges at Macbeth and then my mate was playing Macbeth and he got down on one knee and then I was supposed to fall over his shoulder onto my back and he's supposed to bring his hand down the stage knife down into my side or near my side and I roll over and die he was still wearing his robes um, so as he did this thing swung his arm around he got his arm caught in the rope and brought it right down into my thigh and then I yelled out like serious genuine pain and then and I rolled over because that's the thing I have to do and it sliced along my thigh no. um, so I was basically lying there and then I heard him go backstage going oh my god I've killed Dave um, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know where he'd stabbed me he literally thought he got me in the gut so it was a real knife it wasn't a prop it was blunt but he got me so hard. Holy cow. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that is method, man. And then we had we had one show left, so I still I had to go and do it the next night, and I was bricking it, I'm not going to lie. Because oh. <laughs> the radius of that area as well, he easily could have got the old plums. Mm. <laughs> that would have been worse. That's, yeah, you would have been had a diff- very different type of screen than just the one and, that the character needed. And a much higher voice <laughs> <laughs> right now. Um yeah, but yeah. I can't, I can't prequels, prequels, prequels. So, so yeah, they did this thing called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, and it was. I've only seen Hamlet once, and I, I think we did the book for. We studied it at school, so I kind of had a vague idea. But it takes place alongside it. Yeah, it tells the story from their perspective, and I knew it enough just to kind of see it from their point of view. Then you find out what happens to them as well. So they don't just kind of disappear off, and you see that how the effects, how the impacts of what happens in Hamlet's life affects them. Right. And I'm not a Shakespeare person at all. I don't I don't understand a lot of it. But I just, I really like the way they did it. Um, yeah. I really, really like this film. Um, and I mentioned to my wife as well about that, and I said, like, oh, they did that. I like the idea of Wicked, that you kind of find the origin of the Wicked Witch, how they became the Wicked Witch. You can turn the idea on their head or make you sympathise with the character. Yeah. And then she yeah. very kindly bought tickets to Wicked, um, which I wasn't expecting. And I don't do musicals. So basically, <laughs> we sat in this theatre. Um, and it got to the middle, it got to the interval. And she turned to me to say, uh, so what what, so just, what? what do you think so far? And I turned around with a sneer that was so hard, it was hurting my face. I didn't know that was my... I'd been sat there the whole time just going, what the... F- what? <laughs> What's going on? And I said to her, so which one is supposed to be the Wicked Witch, Wicked Witch or the East, West, whatever it is? And she went, so you know the green one? Yeah. I'm colorblind. Oh. <laughs> so I'd completely misunderstood the first half of oh, this thing. Oh, that's fantastic. So it, was, it was lost. And when people start singing, I don't get it. Yeah. Why is it? Like, if, if you were, like, there's this old Cliff Richard film called Summer Holiday, right? And this guy goes into a bus depot and he starts singing about going on a holiday and all these bus drivers join in. Where the, where's this music coming from? Yeah. Like, where is this? This bugs the crap out of me. Where's the music coming from? And also <laughs> bus drivers are never that happy. <laughs> never go to Disney world because they get into those moments where everybody's in on it. Even the uh-huh. people picking up the garbage and they all just start singing. Yeah. I, I went, it freaked me out. Oh, I okay. Deal with it. Okay. <laughs> I, I have a, I have a similar reaction to uh, to the musical, and I think the one the one type of music where I can handle people talking to each other back and forth and buying it would be rap. Uh-huh. But even with that, I I didn't watch uh, Hamilton. Like my watch was watching wife was watching Hamilton, and she liked it, and everyone loves it, and they have to let you know how much they love it. 
And it's really cool. But even I was watching and I'm like, I just don't like, I don't know. I'd rather just see them act. Yeah. And have a soundtrack in the background. Like I like, I, I, that part of the movies I find appropriate. Like a song Uh playing in the background as they walk through the park because we walk through life with headphones on, right? Uh So we always have music in our head. head. Yeah, we always have a song in our head. So when you see it in a movie, for some reason, it's like, ah, I, uh, the story all comes together. But when they start singing to each other, I just, and then someone responds back, I just, I don't know, it irritates me. Yeah, how did they know? How did they know that was going to rhyme? This is freestyling, like, what? and they're lions as well. Yeah. How do they understand how music works? In this, that's it. Like my kids got obsessed with the Lion King. I was like, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with the singing lions, man. This is confusing. In, I can in, deal with people getting bitten by spiders, right? Yeah. Swinging around in pajamas they made for themselves. Fifteen-year-old yeah. boy can sew. Shut up. Um, <laughs> but. No, people suddenly singing, and then everyone joins in. No, no, can't deal with it. The one time that I enjoyed it because it was part of the humor of it was uh, the Disney movie Enchanted, where the princess comes out of the cartoon and into the real world. Yeah, I saw that one. That I thought was really funny because I can buy a cartoon princess singing with the animals. Like I, that I can let slide. I'm, I don't know, maybe it's just my child brain understanding it uh, but when she enters the real world and she starts all those rules apply to her as this disney princess it's funny that part of it i like this is hilarious yeah. but typically no not 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 for it <laughs> i think it's weird with the animation thing as well like uh, um, i like the south park film i didn't like the series as much i didn't tend to find it very funny but i like the film and then they break into song and i'm totally with it partly yeah. because the songs are funny yeah. Like if something's funny, yes, it, I'll accept it a lot more. It's true, it's um, true. But if it's if it's quite serious, God, I sat through the Abbott thing. What was the Abbott one? I was at someone's house and they put oh, on the Abbott. Oh right, right, film. right. Yeah. Um, I can't even. Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia. Yeah. It's what is no. I I know the songs. With my band covered one of the songs. Um, we covered an, an Abbott song years ago, but metal. <laughs> so it was does your mother know that you're out but Mel which is like that's my favourite like I'm not a big ABBA fan um, I was when I was born ABBA was number one so maybe something seeped in yeah. genetically yeah. Um, but does your mother know that you're out is the dodgiest sounding song <laughs> I was sort of like no we're going to metal this up so yeah um, that's fine. I, I'm aware of ABBA. Even when I know the music, though, and, and people might know the song, <laughs> I still can't buy that everyone's suddenly starting singing. It's just, no. Yeah, Stop I agree. It. <laughs> <laughs> You're embarrassing yourself. You're embarrassing me. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it alone. Even karaoke. Uh, it's fun when, you know, you're under the right influence, but No. We can we could call it a night. <laughs> you not you don't you haven't done karaoke. You won't oh, do it. Oh, I've done it. I've done it. What would you do? do? Uh, me and my cousin on a cruise ship did um, the Righteous Brothers. Uh, Lost that love and feeling. That was a lot uh-huh. of fun. Kind of got the Top Gun uh, thing out of us, right? <laughs> and <laughs> and um, I've done rap songs. People are impressed that I have rap songs memorized. Uh-huh. Uh, um, my favorite is Jay-Z I know that's a, van- a very vanilla answer to say but uh, I grew up so on vanilla. him 
I, him, uh, Nas. I'm I'm an old cat, so I like I like them because they were rivals, but I also like them because of just their what they do. So yeah, any any Jay Z song from an album, I'll know pretty well. Biggie, the same thing. I, I know though, like I can. Um, you can almost put the a, a Biggie album on of just instrumentals, and I might be able to hit the cadences just right. Yeah. Do you have Do you have music like that for you? I've, I've only. I mean, apart from doing the band stuff, which is a totally different thing, because we would do covers of cartoon theme tunes. Oh yes, that's so. Great. We did Thundercats, and <laughs> um, we were we were working towards doing another show last year and of course all this stuff happened um but we were going to do like ulysses 31 i don't know if you know that it's like a, it was an 80s thing that was quite big over here for a while oh, i think it was french or something and then translated i think i think it was french but yeah um just pick out loads of loads of cartoons like we did inspector gadget and yeah. stuff like that and then we do songs from films we did something from team america and which oh it was only a woman from team america i love that song <laughs> um where were we? Sorry, God, I just veered off massively. Oh yeah, it was karaoke. I um, normally ends up being Love Shack, and I have to get some people to do all the female vocals, and I end up being <laughs> you see a faded sign at the side of the road, and I'm just trying to do this really camp. <laughs> it's fun. It's Boy, fun. It's... It can it can be fun to do a Spice Girl or you know something sing along with the audience that you can even if you're not good. That's part of the fun of it. But it's the people yeah. who try to be really good. It's like we get it. You think you can sing. Can we go back to having fun? <laughs> yeah, no one's actually happy right now. Yeah, exactly. Sing something. Sing "Baby Got Back." Like, let's see if you could do that. <laughs> we did that too. That's, but swing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. So we got onto this tangent. I think starting by just talking about the Justice League and all yes. of the DC movies. So I'm with you as far as. The, the movie universe. Um, I enjoyed Man of Steel. I was expecting to really love it. I was hoping that it would be the launch of the DC universe to, to answer Marvels. And I didn't hate it. Um, but <laughs> I, I liked it quite a bit. I, I'll be honest. I liked cool. it quite a bit. I, I excused the whole killing of Zod because I knew there was some sort of excuse me comic book precedent that it had happened in a, in a John Byrne comic of all things. So I say, yeah, you know, he's, he's killed Zod before and that becomes the, the, the real reason why he never wants to abuse his power. And I, I was okay. I could handle it. But when the, the sequel or BVS came out and I had a high hopes again that they would introduce the Justice League or the Trinity in this really cool way, um, it made me not like Man of Steel as much. Oh. It had the reverse effect. I'm like, oh, I don't like this Superman. Now I see the the issues with the first movie. That what, I were they, what was it? Was it because it didn't pick up on those threads and it, it didn't address that he had, there was any fallout from that? I mean, it, it kind of did, and that was the explanation as to why Bruce didn't like him. But it was more the fact that this wasn't a guy where you got to see Clark. You didn't get to see him be happy about saving people as opposed to just being a, a Christ-like savior that it was a burden. It felt like always a burden whenever you saw Clark. And I just felt that there were, there were uh, like what you were saying before, it's not so much, the power is cool. Like when you can really do a cool effect, it's like, wow, like 
I believe a man can fly. Like that magic <laughs> is is special. But yeah. it's you can't have uh, there's no there's no good Superman story if his if you don't have his parents or Lois or Jimmy or or people in his universe that he cares about. If you just make him this sad lonely guy all the time, yeah, we're gonna get something kind of unrelatable. And and I mm-hmm. and I felt that with BVS it was ah the Superman's sad that he's just it's like he doesn't want to be Superman. And I feel it, Superman wants to be Superman. You compare it to. Christopher Reeve. I know that, like, I'm not one of those people that will go, like, well, the original thing is the better, because, I mean, it's not the original thing, for one thing. Um, but Christopher Reeve, it was so charismatic and so happy, and I, when I picture him as Superman, he's got that smile. Yeah. And that's Superman to me. Yeah. So, you know, even, even as, a, as a kid, I, I mean, I did, I watched Superman 2 a fair amount of times as a kid. Yeah. And, um, and then you do see him struggle. You do and like him flying away to because he's realizing people are being hurt when they had that fight in Metropolis. That's the opposite of what happened in Man of Steel. Like, right. It's so it's the complete opposite of what happened in Man of Steel. He realized what was being done and he he just flew away. And they go, Superman's a coward. It doesn't matter what they think of him. He does it because it's the right thing to do to get away and lead right. them away. Right. That's that makes more sense to me. Right. Like I know that there is this. Again, the Hollywood Hollywood always needs to kill the villain. Um, death is justice. So Zob was always going to die. From my from my perspective, I think that is why he died. It wasn't necessarily even a, a story reference. You have to kill the villain. The villain must die, even if the hero isn't responsible for their death. They did it with like Doctor Octopus in the Sam Raimi film. Even though Doctor Octopus, well, he's been dead a couple of times. I guess now. Right, 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 right. He's not a villain that died. Even the Joker in Batman, right? The Joker in the yeah. first Batman, or or uh, Rachel Ghoul in Batman Begins. They'll right. die. You have, yeah. They have to kill him. Yeah, it's and you, you know it's any action film, the villain dies. I can't think of one where they don't. I'm sure there is one, but I can't think of one. Yeah. Um, I'd like the first thing my brain goes to is Die Hard. I'm thinking about uh, Alan Rickman falling slowly off. the <laughs> that's a good impression right now especially with the, the beard you got you did a good impression you look oh, like him you. I could do the voice I was going to try there but I thought no it's just going to be bad he won't be joining us no, that's good that's very <laughs> good just like case of death I don't know that's probably not that sounded more like Pinky in the Brain no. same, same thing we do every night Pinky try to take over the world <laughs> Yeah, it's hilarious. You did a pretty good. I'm gonna good, get huh? you, John McClane, <laughs> <laughs> and then take over the world. Oh, that's all gone very wrong now. I don't know what that was. Sorry. No, no problem. I needed this. I needed this all week. Believe me. <laughs> um, yeah, it, we were saying something about the the villain. Oh, the yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a very good point. So it, 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 to top it off now, Hollywood, I mean, obviously there's the light in the sky issue that everything now seems to have, but it also needs to have lots of death. It's like, what I don't get about event, the first Avengers film as well is like, there is that chaos as everything rips through the streets. There's no people. When did the people get to evacuate? That's a big job. Yeah. You know, Very, you yeah. See, there's some people in a cafe. There's, there's yeah. the one from Critical Role. 
in the cafe, you know, as Captain America jumps. That's a weird scene where he suddenly ends up in the cafe and then kind of heads off. And, but what does he acknowledge? It's just a weird scene. Um, but yeah, it's, there's this mass destruction. If there's not mass destruction, there's no stakes. That's the closest bit. I guess because in real life, we've seen mass destruction like in terms of like 9-11 onwards, it seems like, and, and the way terrorism has got, this has got dark. Terrorism no, no, really needs, no, no. you know, it, it's changed. Things have changed. And maybe to compete, Hollywood feels like it needs to up those stakes by just seeing cities just get destroyed and Ultron ripping an island up in the sky. And, you know, all these people are potentially going to die. You know, the stakes seem to have increased. Whereas you look at Superman 2, where he does just fly away, they're just sort of beating him about a bit and smacking him with a bus and throwing a manhole cover at him. And there's a, there's always a woman with a pram. Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's <maybe>. always been, <laughs> well, and she just stays there trying, I'll just, cover yeah, leaning it. Over. Push the, it's got wheels, you better. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I don't know if it was a matter of what effects they could work with back then that may have informed their decisions but I think you're right about the fact that, and, and this was the criticism as well with Superman Returns, is that that uh, Brandon Ralph Superman was essentially the Christopher Reeve Superman. He's playing the yeah. same character, and he spends more of his time saving people than punching people. And that was always the criticism with those movies. It's like, can we see a Superman who actually like will fight Doomsday or fight a villain instead of just fighting real estate which kind of which was sort of his career like it's he's always he's never had a good example of exhibiting his power right so we want to see that and i was happy to see like okay this isn't your you know your, your dad's superman where he's just preventing lex Luthor from uh, causing an earthquake that's not what he's fighting this time which i thought was a very cool story but i wanted to see him fight kryptonians like that's cool but you're right. The, the, I think that it was. It wasn't. It seemed like the character that you were presented with, who caused whatever happened in Metropolis with reckless abandon. It's almost like it. It didn't affect him in the next movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like so. I. The whole point of that happening would have been because he'll never do that again. So now yeah. we know why. But we haven't done that. And and. In my defense, I, my defense of the Snyder verse now, because I've been a very, very harsh critic, because I love DC so much, I wanted it to be good, but I, I was very angry with it all, is that he's told a complete story now that you understand why those things that may have pissed you off before, other than Martha, that stupid Martha <laughs> shit. Where you you understood, yeah. oh, oh, that's why that was the story choice that I hated. Now it adds to this story in totality. Okay. But also, if you've read Injustice, or you've played Injustice, if you look at this Snyder verse as being a reflection of the Injustice universe, he's done a really good job. Okay. Which which I don't think is a is a good enough reason for what we've gotten because like to get to this point we had to go through a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. And it's still kind of it doesn't 
always work the way you think it did. But you see, not to spoil it for you, but you see Apocalypse in the Justice League movie. The planet. You see the planet. You see people from Apocalypse. It's like, oh, he was, he was, he had plans. Like the the death of Superman had a reason. Oh, that's a cool. That's kind of a cool reason. Then I, I guess that I can live with that. So there's a lot of things where oh, he was waiting to this movie to make it pay off. Right. And the 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 everything that responded to BVS. We're like, course correct, course correct. People don't like it. People don't like it. Make sure we get it funny. Make sure we do this. Add some color. Change the story, you know. So if you read Injustice and you get to the end of this movie, you'll be like, this could be really interesting. Which do I do first then? Do I read Injustice or watch that film? I would, um, hmm. <laughs> well, the film will take, will, will be shorter amount of time to watch it, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, but, but. Injustice will be a pleasure to read. Okay. I would read Injustice. Okay. You don't have to read all of it. I want to read it in pretty quick succession. Yeah. What I mean is like if you read the first, let's say two, what would have been the two first complete collections of mm-hmm. it, you'll you'll appreciate what the movie is trying to do. Okay. In a way. And even reading Injustice, even reading Injustice won't spoil the movie, but you'll get the tone, you'll get even the costume design and the filter that the world is seen and the way the action scenes are, are because it's based off a video game that is a Street Fighter style video game with yeah. a story. So it's hero against hero or you, and you're like on a platform or in a city street fighting on that horizontal plane. And, and, and in the Justice League movie, there's scenes where it's like, the fight is like a video game fight looks really? like. Really? Yeah. It's weird. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I did play it. It was on mobile. It was a mobile game, wasn't it? Sorry, Justice. just taking a sip of water. Uh, Injustice was on... Um, yeah, you could play it on, on, on your mobile, but I think it was a, a PlayStation a Sony right. exclusive game. And it and it the game was a lot of fun and had a really cool story. And Tom Taylor wrote the comic and um, things that, so you, if you know the DC universe at all, you can get right into it, know what you're dealing with, but it's, oh, I didn't know you could do that to that character. You don't do that to that character. Did did that just happen? And it happened because this is, yeah. Mm, So, ah. Yeah. So I've got a, there's a real battle going on in this room right now Tell in me. terms of who gets the next <laughs> who gets picked next. What's your and that injustice is teasing me. What, what's on your list? Um, Let's go through it. Sweet Tooth. Okay, never read it. Um, I read the first book of the three deluxe editions, and and the TV series is about to start, and I kind of. When that happens, I prefer to have read the comic beforehand. Yeah, Whether yeah. I'm going to watch the thing or not, I want right. to make sure I, I know that what it was what it's based on. Um, I was going to read Velvet as well, one of the Ed Brubaker. Okay. Sean, oh, it's not Sean Phillips; it's Steve Epting. Um, which I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about it, which is great. That's how I like doing it. Um, I don't know a huge amount about Sweet Tooth, even though I read a third of it because I can't remember because it was a while ago and then we moved house yeah. or then we had a kid then we moved house and blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'm going to start again um, so some random bits like that but um, 
I now can't remember. I think I think after that it was probably Injustice that I wanted to read. But I then suddenly just found myself reading Spider Man twenty ninety nine again recently. How is um, it? I've never read twenty ninety nine. It's the first chunk is really good fun. It's Rick Leonardi. Yeah. I liked his stuff on Cloak and Dagger and um just he's one of the consummate eighties artists. I just I loved his stuff, especially when he was with uh, Terry Austin. Anyone to ink Terry Austin could probably ink one of my kids' drawings, and it would look <laughs> amazing. Um, but yeah, it, it really works. And then Volume Two, there's, that's when he introduced a crossover, and there's there's a not great storyline when it's not the crossover. It's like, oh, this isn't great. And then Volume Three has some uh, extras in it that bring it down a little bit. And I'm not sure where Volume 4 is going to go, but it's like, it's a real shame because one of the things that ruined it from the, after that first year was the crossover. Just like, I just have such a different view of crossovers now. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like, you, you go back and read them and you go, this makes no sense at all. Yeah. I, uh, I was asking, I talked to Jerry Conway once and um, I was wanted to talk more about his second stint on Spectacular Spider-Man. Where he did a couple years on that book with uh, yeah. Sal Buscema, and he he did some really cool cool things because it was he didn't have to make sure the book was a number one seller, so he got to tell more close to home stories with Robbie Robertson and Tombstone and all that stuff. It was good stuff. That was when I started buying comics, but American comics. That was that was what was going on because it was like it was tying in with Web, wasn't it as well? A little bit, yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I, I, as I'm reading it, the Inferno crossover happens. And suddenly the main plot of the story gets interrupted because of what's happening in New York City with the Inferno event. And I was commenting on the fact that, you know, you, you made those issues work, considering that it, it interrupts what you're doing. And he, I say all that to say that he was not a fan of crossovers at all. He says it's the worst thing to have ever happened to comic book, uh, to the, to the industry and, and to the medium because it, it's like a sugar rush. It's, it boosts sales for the moment, but it ruins everybody's story, which then makes the titles that people were reading at issue 16. When the crossover happens, they jump off of it cause they don't care. Yeah. So he said that he did not appreciate, uh, crossovers at all. This, this actually, you know, you know, I was saying previously as well, like, I, I don't know people that read comics. I, I mean, over the years, I have been friends with some people. I have convinced a couple of people to read comics. Um, there was one friend of mine who was reading X-Men uh, quite merrily from the Jim Lee and Chris Claremont, relaunch, the Mutant Genesis relaunch thing, yeah. 1991. Um, read the first 13 issues. Two of those, of course, Jim Lee's jumped ship by then. And then it gets to 14. And he's going, like, what's, what's happening here? Um, it's like, oh, yeah, it's a crossover event. So basically, there's three other titles, and you have to buy all three of them for three months. You go, yeah, no, I'm done. Yeah. And that was it. That was the end. It never, never went back. Yeah. Like, oh, that sucks, man. That's really sad. And, and to me, I was so used to it. And mm-hmm. I was just saying to him, yeah, all it is is you just have to buy four times as many comics that month. <laughs> fine yeah yeah and it's one of the things that makes me not want to buy singles and i guess yeah. that's why people enjoy the the uh creator-owned lines because it's like i just gotta buy this book and yeah. 
the guy can do what he wants, and when he says it's finished, it's finished. And if it sucks, it's on him. I don't got to worry about the next X-Men crossover or or this thing going on forever. Like the Clone Saga was a, a pretty novel idea. It was a, it was a cool story. And I, and I read it for the first time a few years ago. I said, this is a lot of fun. Like, I'm going back to it, and you got good writers here. You got good artists. And then after a while, I was like, oh, my God. This is never going to, like, they added a fifth title. I'm sorry, but Terry Cavanaugh, we don't need more from you. Even though it was his idea, it's just like, we don't need that many books from you. No. No, it was too much. And then they'd have miniseries and stuff as well. Like, I don't know how anyone afforded it. No wonder, like, no wonder the, the, the market dropped out at that point. The commitment was ridiculous. And I know they, they did it again, though, when things started to pick up, when Joe Quesada was made editor-in-chief, and you could mostly read a title. There weren't many crossovers between 2000 and 2004. Um and it was just, it was really easy just to pick up a series. And that's quite a long period of time to have no crossovers. But since then, I mean, I loved, like I've said before, I love Civil War. But that's a lot, that's a big commitment. So if you want to really understand the whole thing and read everything, that's a big commitment. Because you're virtually buying every single title every yeah. month yeah. for seven months. Yeah. It's, it's a lot to expect to people. And you can see why people drop out. I mean, the, the thing as well, like about reading something like Velvet, and I know, I know nothing about it, and it's been around for a while. It's fifteen issues, yeah. and it's done. And I'm going to get, I don't know, hopefully a good story. Um, it's done in one. There's no franchise to worry about. It's not going to suddenly jump into another thing where I'm going. What's this? What's this guy? I kind of at the same time completely contradicting that. Reading Invincible, I've been trying to read as many of the. Tie extra yeah. tie-in yeah so I read like Astounding Wolfman and um, some of those bits but you really really don't need to at all and it's great it's, it's it does take you away for a bit to try and, like I'm figuring like where does this sit in order why am I worried about that right 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 because <laughs> like that seemed to happen very quickly whereas that bit happened next to that bit but they're quite a few issues apart and he clearly goes to Africa during that doesn't make sense. And like, it's just, it ruins to a degree. If that's what you're into, which I am sometimes it's fine, but I really do like just having something you can pick up, read, get three volumes, even if they're really ridiculously chunky, like invincible. Um, and you've got, you've got a complete story there and you yeah. can just finish it up and go home. I think that's why a lot of, a lot of, um, collectors, I think the collected editions and the omnibus are becoming more of a thing because you can have that, okay, that was in five volumes or I have to read this and read that. And, and if I just bought the, the trades of this book, I wouldn't have included this, but the omnibus has it all. So similar to what you're saying, it's like I can read this person's vision of the Fantastic Four. It's all collected here. We're good. Without it being interrupted or when it is interrupted, I get it. it like uh, – I think the the Infinity War or Infinity Gauntlet Omnibus it has the whole story of the universe. Yeah. So those tie-ins, you can say, ah, oh, I can see now why they did that. It's kind of stupid, but I can see why. <laughs> or quite nice, I think, about the Infinity Gauntlet as well is that no one wanted to take part. Hmm. Like even by nineteen ninety one, there was crossover fatigue, mm-hmm. so people weren't interested. 
You know, Quasar got in on it. Mark Rumor got in on it, which is like you can see that he loves that kind of stuff or loved it. Um, there weren't many titles that tied in, and it it was better for it. I mean, to a degree, the Silver Surfer titles that did continue to tie in that series that continued to tie in. You could ignore those. A lot of them were just dream sequence stories. I think there were two of them. Yeah, a two part dream sequence stories yeah. essentially. Just get rid. Don't need them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it just works. Read the Silver Surfer build-up stuff with that Thanos uh, quest. Is that the right name? I think so. Yeah, God, yeah, I had a blank yeah, there. Thanos quest, um, yeah. And then Infinity Gauntlet, and you've got your complete story. Yeah. It's great. Yes. You know, but yeah, it's not, then, then we, I, don't, I haven't got the Infinity War omnibus because I've got it in a different format. Yeah. The box set. Beautiful um, box, in the box yeah. set, the, it is lovely. Oh, it's my third child. <laughs> uh, my fourth actually no my third child is the Secret Wars one then my fourth let's face it they came first if the kids piss me off <laughs> I know who stays um, but yeah so in the box set the, the crossover issues are separate oh, okay. so you can yeah. still just read the six issue yeah as thing, intended or, or like, as intended yeah as intended with War and Crusade I think they mix in the Adam Warlock issues because they're by Stalin and then the crossovers are over there and you can read them or ignore well, I don't know why you buy that box set and ignore them. But you can. Um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. I don't know how that would work in the omnibus if they tried to do it all in order because that would be horrific. And I'm, I've done an Infinity War reading order and it was just a nightmare to work out. Wow. Like Because you don't want to put something in a certain place where someone's going to read something and go, and, and it spoils another part of the story. Right, right, so right. It was, it's a nightmare. I haven't even done crusade yet i hope there's an old version on the website somewhere but i'm going to redo it but it's just a nightmare and that's when i started asterisking things and going look read these you can read the other stuff if you want but you really don't have to um and if you want you can just read the overview that i've got on here because just read those bits and you'll have the complete story it's fine you'll be fine everything's gonna be okay <laughs> i love i love sites like that they're so helpful to, to uh, keep track of what's the reading order of... St- because it, it seems so like, oh, it's such a nerdy thing to do, but it's a real thing. When you want to go back and find a, a particular era of a, of a story, it's much harder back then to read yeah. certain things, especially if there was more than one title for that character. Because uh-huh. at any moment they could crisscross, and then sometimes they didn't, and then one writer jumped, or he took all over all three books, like J.M. DeMatteis did with uh, uh, Craven's Last Hunt. It's like, how do you, where, which one? So two two hundred and ninety six is before thirty seven. Is like what? <laughs> well, I did have a great one this week. I felt really bad for this guy. It's one of these moments where I just thought, this guy's gonna go. He's asked this question. I know where this is going to go. And um, he just put a, a comment on, on one of my posts on Instagram, which just said, so where do I start reading Marvel? Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've got some really bad news for you. And I was trying to say to him, like, just pick a character you like. Yeah. Pick something that looks good. Try it out. See how you feel. It's like, no, I want to just start at the beginning. Like, oh. Yeah, no, You're just so set on starting from the beginning and reading all the way through. And I went, dude, there's like, thousands and thousands and thousands of issues and so much history and it started in 1961 there are people there was there's a guy called Voyage Through Marvel that is doing a 
pretty much full on read through um, on Instagram, which is great to, to see. But someone doing that is you're going to be one in a million. Doing I, he, that. They must be a vampire. <laughs> like they're going to live forever. He's doing really well. Like in terms of how like, long does it they, take you to read? It takes me a long. I, I read slow. I don't read as fast as I'd like to. I read a lot, but I, I don't read as much as fast as I, I guess I should. Like I see some people like, wow, you read that quick. How fast uh, do you read? Um, well, like how, how long does it take me to read an issue? Like let's say uh, Invincible, a compendium. How long would a compendium take you to fit, go through? It's just so hard to say. So the thing is my attention span is awful. So I dart about and I'll go, I want to read this thing. And, but I don't want to make myself read that just to finish Invincible even though I'm loving it, I've also got this new thing that's turned up and I want to read that. So it just varies. But like the, the thing that I do try and stop myself doing is storming through an issue or a book because then you're not reading the art, you're not reading the pace, you know, and that's something that a lot of people don't get, when they, especially when they start reading comics. I'm, I'm guilty people, of it. I'm guilty of it too. I'm, I'm guilty of it having read comics my whole life. I'm like, let me stop and actually see the story. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I'll try and describe in my head what's happening to make myself do it. There'll, there'll be times where you go, they'll go like, oh, this character's suddenly got no hand. When, when did that happen? And I'm looking, it's like, this was right at the start. Wait, I didn't even notice. And they just mentioned it now. And I go like, oh, I don't feel like I've read this before. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've been going through like one omnibus at a time and saying, finish the whole thing. Be disciplined, finish the whole thing before you jump to something else. Because I'm used to 12 issues of this. Now I'm going to, like I read Invincible in the hardcovers, 12 issues at a time. It's like, ah, nice season. These are like seasons. Yeah. And I, and I enjoyed this whole season. And then I would leave Invincible and go and read a bunch of other things in between. And then when the next volume came out, I'd read that season. But with like something like uh, the Preacher Omnibus, there's some moments where I'm like, ah, I need a break. I need a break. <laughs> and it was the same thing with Sandman. I read Sandman all the way through, but after a while, I was like, I've been here a long time. I've been in this the, kind of this dreary, dark place for a while. Yeah. And, and, I, and I get fully invested. Like I'll play music associated with the theme of the book to really wow. like get into it. And after a while, it's like, okay, I need a break. I need to go somewhere else. So I think your way is much better to, to read something through, but do it in spurts. I'm kind of happier doing it that way. Yeah, I think I'm going to do that too. <laughs> it gets to a point where you kind of feel like you're making yourself do something, not because you want to do it. Um, yeah. Which, again, sometimes, like, especially when I'm doing the crossover stuff, and I'm kind of like, I really want to read this. I'm going to pick and choose, because I was doing it all chronologically. It was all in order. Include it, and then with parts for where some of them happen around other stories. You're like, this is madness. No one's going to follow this, and that's why I kind of restarted it to a degree. Um, but I'll pick and choose. Now I just pick and choose. Like, okay, I'm going to pick something '90s. I feel like something '90s yeah. that I thought was good, or that I'm curious about and never read. Right. And I want to be interested. Yeah. I'm not going to. Everyone's going. You need. You need to do this. I want. We we want this. Like, okay, that's great. I'm loving that you're interested and that you're asking for stuff. I'm going to try and oblige you, but I I want to be in the mood, or it's not fun for me anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I said the same thing. One of my my close friends uh, on the podcast, Shane Heron, he was recommending Preacher to me for the longest time, and I just said that's not my style of book. Like, I don't like that sort of thing. 
generally speaking. Finally, I, I got to a point where I'm like, I think I want to read that. I, I might be interested in this book now. And um, when I got it, he's like, did you read it yet? Did you read it yet? I said, I got to be in the mood. Yeah. I, I want to read it. I totally intend on reading it. But right now, I, if I read it now, I won't appreciate it. Yeah. Because it's a book with a mood to it. Definitely. Right? So I believe in, in being in moods for what you want to read. Yeah. Yeah. Follow that I vibe. That's why I don't lend stuff anymore as well. So I've lent stuff and I've not had it back because I guess and I don't want to harass people to reading it, right? Because then it just makes them begrudge it. So there was there's a there's a guy I've spoken to a few times I think on on Instagram on one of the accounts, and um he said to me, "Have you ever read Old Man Hawkeye?" I'm like, I, "I haven't. I've read Old Man Logan, but I've read Old Man Hawkeye." Because you need to read it. Make it the next thing you read. I will. Don't I don't like being dictated to. No offense to the guy at all. But I don't like big. It's just how I am. Yeah. So like, same. I'm, I'm not. Same. I've got other things on my list. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna focus on those, and maybe I'll. I'll think about it. And then, like, even a few days later, have you read it yet? Like, and then the more that, that happened, I just. I'm never gonna read this. I'm yeah. never gonna read this story. Like, I don't want to read it now. Yeah, He's, yeah, yeah. He literally killed any interest I had. <laughs> it's just uh, you can't. You can't make someone like something. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you I know, mean, I've tried numerous times to get people to read, either read preacher or like, or people that that do like comics and I've dropped it I've dropped hints loads on the Instagram account or whatever and said like you really need to read X Factor X Factor Peter David's 2000's X Factor series is just brilliant and because they're D-list characters essentially you don't know what's going to happen to them it's not like the X-Men you know Wolverine's going to be fine you don't know what's going to happen and he's got some great cliffhangers and it's an amazing series. Can I get anyone to read it? No. Um, I think a couple of people have messaged me and said, thank you so much for bringing this to my attention. It's been brilliant. But not many. Hmm. Just can't get people to, to read yeah. it. But I'm not. you can't shove it down people's throats at the same yeah. time because they have, to want it. they have to want to read it. I think, pe- I think the majority of us, and I've done this to my wife, like I'm guilty of it myself. Uh, I'm very guilty of it. I tell all my friends, oh, you got to read this. Oh, you listen to the podcast. I talk to the guy who, you know, co-created Deadpool, if you really want to know. I, I always, I'm guilty of it. But I've realized with my wife, there's been a lot of times where I've listened to music or read a book or recommended something to her. And she's like, I don't like it. Like, don't, don't force this to me. And then months later, she's like, so I found a new song or have you heard of this? I'm like, yeah, that was what I was saying to you because I knew you would like it. Right. But what it made me realize, and, and even for me, you want to feel like you discovered it. Yeah. There's something special about that feeling like, ah, I found it now on my own. Even though people have said, do this, do that, do this, do that. I needed uh-huh. to get there when the time was right. See, when I was a kid, this is kind of what sums it up for me. When I was a kid, we used to go to Ireland every year. My parents are both Irish. Um, we used to go to Kerry every year. Um, and we'd end up driving around. It's called the Ring of Kerry, which is the most dubiously named. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a porn film. Um, it really isn't. And basically, my all the time, the whole way through, my mum's not particularly genuine, um, but she would basically do this thing with this. She'd put her hand out with this slow arching movement, and go, "Look at the beautiful scenery, isn't it beautiful?" And you go, "Like God, this is you're so fake." <laughs> 
it's just so painfully <laughs> fake. Like you're saying what you think you should think. Right. And I have a real issue with that. And that, again, kind of comes back to the Watchmen thing of like, do you actually like it or do you think you should like it? Um, so like for me, that was someone telling me what I should think about the countryside. Since I've been back there and gone like, actually, this is ridiculously impressive. But I'm also older, and I appreciate it in a different way. Right. Yes, the ring of Curry's got a lovely ring. <laughs> um, <laughs> if she doesn't mind me saying so. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's that whole being dictated. This is what you should. This is lovely. This is a thing. It's like you can't tell me that this is a great song. It is for you, but it might not be for me, or I don't necessarily feel about it the same way as you do. And, and that, that discovery thing as well really plays a big part. I mean, at the moment, I'm loving just going, so I've got all this stuff lined up, and I've got Injustice lined up in Sweet Tooth, and then I spot a book, and I go... That's the one. I want to try that. Yeah. That's, and I, I, don't even, I don't even own it yet. Yeah. <laughs> I have to get this thing, yeah, and yeah. as soon as it arrives, I'm, I'm reading I'm it. Pushing yeah. everything else to one side. I'm loving Invincible right now, but I'm pushing it to one side for a second in favor of Pinocchio Vampire Slayer. Yeah, yeah, no, right. yeah, I, I totally understand. It, and I think that um, is is part of what we love of, of collecting and buying things before uh, we know we're even going to get to reading it because like, I am going to read that. And I'm so yeah. happy that when I want to, I can have it. There's a certain level, like at some point it, it almost feels where people who don't know, it looks gratuitous. It's like, do you need that many books? Like, are you actually reading books that fast? Absolutely not. And so my wife bought me this pillow. No one can see it on the, on the camera, but I'll show you. Yes, I really do need all these books. <laughs> I need that. Yes, I really do need that cushion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And and it's it's the uh, the f- planning for the future of peace and quiet. Yeah, it's like I can't wait when the time comes to read that one day. Yeah, it's there. It won't be op out of print. Uh, it won't be hard to find. It won't be considered a whale. I got it, and not to show that's, it off, but to ha- to share it. That's big at the moment. Things seem to be. Like, I I I've been waiting. Well, I think the, the first omnibus I. No, the third omnibus I bought categorically was Uncanny X-Men Volume 1. Um, and I was made up that they were starting to collect that. And that was 11 years ago when I got that. 10 years ago? Yeah. They just released Volume 4. I pre-ordered it. I don't have it. I they don't know if I'll actually they, get it. They re-released all the Volume 2, 3, and 4 recently. Well, volume, volume 4 was the first time recently that they've released it. So they re-released Volumes 1 to 3. Yeah, Volume 4 is the first time I think they ever did. Yeah, and and I've been waiting for this book. I want to finish this run, and I didn't get it. And it's heartbreaking. That is, it was heartbreaking. You know, <laughs> everything that's going on in the world. Yeah, like, I am heartbroken that I don't. And I nearly got to the point where I, I was like, "You guys, I'm selling the first three volumes, <laughs> and I'm never reading X Men ever again." Right. <laughs> that that does happen. It's a very yeah. quirky thing about uh, collectors where it's like, if you're not going to finish it, I don't want any of it. What's the point? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like I have uh, I feel like that about the Martian Manhunter uh, trades that they started to reprint for John Ostrander and Tom Mandrake. They did a series. It was quite enjoyable. I said, I, 
I, I, I like the character that isn't explored enough. This is a very cool thing to do. You did a whole series, like three, four years of this. Let's get to it. And two volumes, that's it. They do, DC are doing that way too much. I was, I was starting to get into series, um, Peter David's Supergirl. Yeah. But they stopped at four. I finished volume two. It didn't feel like, I, there's a part of me going, they're not, I'm not going to find out what happens in the end. And I know he kind of got kicked off as well at one point and had to wrap up really quickly. Um, so I just feel like I'm, why, why am I investing my time yeah. in this? And DC keep doing this. They're not committing at all. They seem to be a little bit more, it seems like, oh, wow, you're, you're doing that. Okay. That, those are kind of cool that they're, they're releasing certain things that you never thought they would collect. So yeah. it, it makes me hopeful that, you know, they'll finish the Mark Raid Flash trade run. Like that, they're, yeah. up, they're up to seven. So it's like there's one more. I think it is due out, the yeah. last book. Yeah. So I, admittedly, I gave up on that one. But part of me wishes I hadn't, but well. And then as soon as it's done, they'll, be re- they'll re- release them in uh, some type of omnibus form just because. I like the way that Marvel do omnibus first for the big spenders and then you can get it in trades whereas I always feel like the trades have kind of got this runner up price you know? <laughs> so you get the trades and then they go and now we're releasing an omnibus no yeah 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 I want the omnibus no nah! <laughs> why did you do that now I've got to sell these for less than I paid yeah I'm not a, I've uh, I haven't even read them yet I'm not a fan anymore of, of the Marvel trades collecting current things I know you're not reading them but I it's it's discouraged me from continuing to read most of it just because it's strangely priced. That's like you get a why why am I gonna get a, a th- four issue trade of Spider Amazing Spider Man? You're only collecting four. four issues. What's the pro? Like why would I want to pay seventeen dollars for this? Oh my god, no! Right, I don't know what that is in pounds, but it's just and then the way it's collected in these small little. Chunks and chunks and chunks and chunks, like these little, little slivers, it feels like, where just give me a nice 12 issues, six issues, eight issues at a time. Give me a story. I don't need yeah. 20 of these little books on my shelf. But that's my first world picky problems. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Saying that, I actually got, um, there was a four issue series I did recently. It's AWA. I've never bought any of their comics before. Um, and it was uh, Grendel, Kentucky. And it's John Paul Leon's artwork. And that cover just sold me. Nothing's particularly happening on it. There's a dude that looks like a biker. There's a hint there might be some demonic stuff in there. It's John Paul Leon's art with this heavy texture. Just, oh, I love it. I love it. I don't know what it is about his stuff. Um, when, it's, when he colours his own, I think it's, it's even better. Um, yeah, and I just got it. And this, this trade turns up and it's a four-issue series. And it's the thinnest thing. <laughs> and I read it pretty quick. And I liked it. Hmm. But I'm just so used to this meat turning up in a heavy box that could probably kill one of my children if I dropped it on them. Is it any better, any better feeling in the world not killing your children? But to get that, <laughs> to get that box. There are times. I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> to get that box of a nice weighty book. In the mail. It never gets old. Never gets old. It's a drug, man. It definitely is. Like when it turns up and like I just especially as I'm right by the front door, there's a knock on the door and I, I know one is coming. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting, the, I'm getting the post, <laughs> and then I get it and I bring it in here, and it's just this lovely. This is my little moment, and yeah. I'm really excited. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's nice. And then I take it out. I record the. I'm, this is how nerdy I am, right? I'm going to fess up to this. I record the issues on a spreadsheet, so I know that what I've got in case they put something in another collection, and I go, "Oh, I need to get that." Um, I know I've got it. I like my spreadsheets. And then I pop it on a shelf and then I won't read it for four years. <laughs> I thought I was the only one. Thank God. I think, I think we all do. It's what's been nice as well about Instagram um, is that I've found all these other people with these amazing looking collections and they all have that moment when someone comes around their house and they go, so have you read all of these? <laughs> Stupid question. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I look at my my shelf quite frequently sitting in my room here and I just say, how much have you actually read before you buy another one? Because my wife, my wife is super cool, but she's like, yeah, really? Another, another book, eh? Yeah. Okay. All right. Are we going to have to buy another house? <laughs> and I get That's it. That's why we call this place. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I, and I'm like, listen, you can't have Fantastic Four Volume One from John Byrne and not Number Two. Like you have, if you're gonna have one, you have to have both, and you need to own that. Sorry, have you read it? it? Technically, counts as one book. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's like, well, have you read it yet? It's been no. I will get to it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. Um, if is there a critically acclaimed book that you haven't read? Um. I've never finished Sandman. Okay. Um, I did try and read it recently, again, and then I just sold my collection. I couldn't finish volume one. I've read the Carly ones and I loved it, but I've never liked any of the other volumes. Um, something did, weirdly, you asked that question, and something did occur to me recently that I was like, I haven't, I've never read that. I've never read V for Vendetta. Ah. Um, but it's Alan Moore again, and, there's very little of his stuff that I tend to like. Um, hmm. It's probably anything that is Alan Moore. <laughs> the, the, the bigger I ones it. I might, might not have read. Uh, Neil Gaiman. Otherwise, I don't know. I'm trying to think what I might have missed. Yeah. I've, I missed quite a few up until the last couple of years. I hadn't read Planetary. I hadn't read uh, Why the Last Man. A preacher, Ex Machina, um, Authority. What else had in that? There was quite a, a number of books. Secret Wars. Not that it's a critically acclaimed necessarily, but it's those like staples. Yeah. You know, and there was quite a few on the list that I had not read. So I, I'm always interested to hear for others. Like I've never also never read Swamp Thing. For some people, this is what they swear by. You know. Mm-hmm. So I'm always interested to know what what books other people haven't read. And See, I've tried something. Yeah. Yeah. I got quite far through, but... Not for you. Akira. I've never read Akira. Someone actually said to me once, they said, you've only got one volume of Akira. Why? <laughs> I did too. That's so funny. I had one volume. I didn't continue. Not because it wasn't good. I was just like, I don't know. I've, yeah. I've never, I haven't even read the one volume. I wanted to get the box sex. It looked... I really like the look of the box set. Yeah, I'd probably um, want to do the same thing for something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like, like it's weird as well like with a lot of um, manga stuff is, is that it 
it's, it's quite a commitment and it seems that for some reason random volumes here are really hard to find okay so if you if you're not reading it as it comes out you've got very little chance of completing it ah, i see so all of a sudden volume five you'll, you'll get to volume four of six and then volume five will suddenly be like 50 quid and like i'm not paying that oh sell the rest <laughs> yeah are. yeah i've given up so, it's not worth it that much yeah no so yeah someone says to me yeah you you, you haven't got volume you've only got volume one why well i'm because they cost money and he went fair enough <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great well i'm i'm so happy that uh you enjoyed invincible that you got back to it and and it lived up to its hype Oh my god, it did! That's the next thing on my read list. I got it right here. I'm about to finish Sandman and Volume Three. You're I've read... ahead of me. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I have. I probably, I probably should go back and reread it because I, I read the first five volumes or so, five or six volumes. I found them for really cheap at a used bookstore that we have here in Toronto called BMV. It's like, it's magical. Sometimes it could be really good. <laughs> things you find there um but I, I bought the first chunks of them i said that's a pretty good good way to start if it's so a lot you know critically acclaimed and then as the next volumes came out i bought them and read with it up until volume 10 wow and then i didn't finish it i, I traded in all of the hardcovers i know it was a very strange uh choice and then I, I, I saw the Volume 3 come out for a good price on Amazon, and they were all, like, really cheap. The compendiums, yeah. I said, I got to get, I have to. I just have to. They have to be on, I have to have them available at all times. It's just uh-huh. that good. It's, it's I'd, I'd, I'd almost like to kind of go back and read Volume 1 again, it's, knowing what's coming. It's, but it was, it was odd. His writing is odd for a lot of Volume 1. You can see he's finding his feet. Yeah, and and the uh, the book didn't really find its feet until he had that big moment in I think issue twelve or even maybe earlier, where Image had said, "Listen, we're gonna wrap this up quick. It doesn't it's, really." Yeah, yeah. That's why he did it so early. He was saving that first shocking moment for much later, like at issue twenty four or something, like the second year, to to cap it the twenty fifth issue or something like that. And they said, oh, yeah, man, I didn't know that. Just, just wrap it up. So he started writing it, I think, with the idea that at any moment, if I have to wrap this up, it could be wrapped up. So everything was so like, boom, boom, boom. And it, it, it never let, it let up. And it's like, wow, this is, this is fun. And yeah. my favorite thing is Ryan Otley's art just evolving from where he starts to where it ends. It's like, wow. It's so like the switch between volume one of the companion and volume two is jaw dropping. His stuff is amazing by volume two. And I, I don't know, part of it's the coloring, I think, but part of it is that he seems to put a lot more detail in. Um, but it's just the way he tells the story as well, and his like the shots he chooses, and it's oh, and it's like, and when it is violent, it's so jaw-droppingly visceral and because it's also brightly coloured and superhero-y yeah. when it does that you just go and I'm sometimes like my kids are just like oh it's the afternoon they, they want to just chill they're just going to play for a bit or play about on an iPad or play on the 
switch or something. I'm just going to read my book while they're leaving me alone. And I'm just like, it's just a nice superhero comic. And I turn the page and there's someone with their fist through someone's stomach, punching their head. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think that that was, like I said, one of those moments where I said, this is great, but I don't know if I could lend this to anybody. (laughs) Now I don't care, but so much about that because my stuff is my stuff. But at the time, I was very much about like you gotta read this, you gotta read, this. and I was one of those things where no, 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 don't, don't, don't flip through that one because it's when someone the, the the fight's like you know what if these guys if Superman was fighting Superman yeah yeah this is probably the way it would go uh-huh. and and it's like holy jeez yeah it it, it it's was shocking it is it is shocking. It's funny you say about lending things as well, Louis, and, and not lending it to certain people. But I actually lend Preacher to a number of people to try and get into like comics. <laughs> and a lot of them, they came back and they were going, I didn't know you could do this in comics. Like, yeah, you can. And some kind of read a few more afterwards, or a lot of people didn't. Um, but they liked it and they, they finished it. And then there was one person, I, I was on such a roll with Preacher for a while, I lent it to someone else at work. I'm just a massive Disney fan. Yeah. That should have been the sign. And she gave it back and it looked like she was still shaking. From <laughs> <laughs> it's not really for me. <laughs> I broke you. I'm so sorry. Yeah, there were some moments in the book where I was like, oh, oh, oh wow. I, that's, that's never happened before in one of my books. <laughs> okay, I've, I've almost gotten to the point in comics where I've seen it all. After Breacher. It yeah. felt like that. It felt I'm not saying I have, but it felt like that. Yeah, it's pretty it it doesn't hold back. I mean the thing is I think he's in a way he sort of does hold back because you can see if you read some of the other stuff like The Boys or um God, I don't there's a lot of Garth Ennis stuff that I've read since where he's he's just pushing that shock factor. And you go, Yeah, but you haven't got your characters or your story, the way that you have with Preacher, you, you've just, you're going for the easy win, violence, bum jokes. It's, it's just not as good, mate. You, you just need to go back to see your storytelling, have your story, and then pile the violence into the story. Yeah. If that's what you did, that's, it feels like that's what you did. It feels like you had a story in your head that you knew was going to be great, and then you just did it. And now you're just kind of going, I'm the guy that does the shocking stuff. Yeah, I feel like in, in, in Preacher, when things happen, it, you go, oh, no. Like you have that moment. I, I can't believe that just happened. But you also say, yeah, that's that's what I expected these pieces of garbage to probably do. I'm very yeah. disturbed by it. Whereas I haven't read The Boys. I've watched the, the, the TV show. But when I flipped through the comic, I was like, mm-mm. It feels like you want you wanted to you wanted this moment, and so you've yeah. you've tried to write just to the, get to this, which is uh, which is different than the story kind of dictating it. You're trying to get yeah. to the beat. Yeah, it's very much that. That's why I just couldn't read it. Yeah. Um, apart from the repeat jokes, it's just like oh great. Like, like, he hates superhero stuff, so I'm just going to do a thing where I just hate on superheroes. For 60 issues. <laughs> I yeah. made it into 15. I'm bored now. I just stop. Um, 
but yeah, there is there is a weird thing like knowing your audience, like lending who would I lend whatever film to, but trying to lend people a comic that you think they might be able to get into and not be horrified. That's a tricky one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it, it, there's that fine line of this might be too childish, and this one might be too adult. Where's yeah. that fine line? Yeah, it's true. What time is it there for you? It's oh man, it's quarter to twelve. Oh, we we should probably wrap this up then for you. No worries. We could uh, we could go all night. This is it's too much fun. I had a lineup of questions and I think I asked two. Oh really? Yeah, because we just talk about musicals. musicals. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we've covered off the musical stuff for the future, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll we'll definitely do this again probably next month. Uh, enjoy your, your weekend with the family. We all get a long weekend here. I hope you guys do there too. Oh uh, yeah. I've got two weeks off work, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. There you go. Maybe you can slide in some injustice there and, uh, I'll do my best. yeah, hopefully you, I'm, I'm excited to see the next review that you've got. That's, that's all I can say. And, and oh, thank you. I was a little bit disappointed that you didn't like Orion, but I wasn't surprised either. I was shocked at how disappointed I was, and I had to stop to not think badly of Walt Simonson. Okay, that and you know what? When I said, "Man, he didn't like Orion," I recommended that to him, but at least he liked Invincible. Yay! I love Invincible, so thank you. Because actually, you telling me you did encourage me to keep going with it, because I yeah. probably would have dropped out. Yeah, no, it, it pays off. Out. It it if you yeah, it pay it pays off to stick with it. That's cool. So I'm gonna read the the last volume. Maybe we'll finish at the same time and we'll talk about it when uh next time we chat cool yeah we'll do i'll, I'll actually i'll pull it out now <laughs> so it's ready to go there you go and the race is on <laughs> sounds good well thank you everybody for listening be sure to uh follow both of dave dave's uh, instagram pages that are uh, a real treat to follow carvel uh, com marvel comics guide as well as the winchester meat cleaver got it Yes, reviews yes. <laughs> on Instagram. Thank you so much, Dave, for uh, hanging out with me again. And I hope you guys stay safe and, and healthy up, up there, down there. Yeah, across the pond. <laughs> Thank you. All right, everybody. We will talk soon.